0: us there, Chemical Straightjacket. Chemical Straightjacket, as you may know, is doing the theme song for this, episode 14 of the Drinkable Globe podcast. Thank you for joining me today. Uh, It's the holiday season, and you know what that means? You want to buy shit, so I recommend that you buy some of my books. I've got three of them that are available right now that make the perfect gift for any of the drinkers in your life. Uh, my first one was The Year of Drinking Adventurously, second one, Beer FAQ, and the third one that just came out last year is The Drinkable Globe, uh, you can order them wherever fine books are sold, or you can shoot me an email and I can personalize you one and send it your way. And speaking of my books, I've got a new one coming out February 12th. It is called Sakepedia, if you've ever been curious about sake, but are too scared to ask. This is the book for you. Even if you know a shit ton about sake, it's the book for you, because it's got something for everybody. Anyway, on this episode, I am pleased to be speaking with Kate Bernat, who is one of the editors over at The Takeout, which sort of spun off from the AV Club, you know, the Onion people av club onion that whole group uh and you know she and i uh met when she was working at draft magazine i did some freelance for them and now i'm doing a little bit of freelance for the takeout as well she's doing amazing stuff over the takeout she did amazing stuff at draft uh very very talented writer here we go with episode 14 of the drinkable globe podcast with kate burnett
1: went down to the lobby this morning to get coffee, and they were out of the large coffee cups, and I almost had to murder a person. <laughs> but uh, I just had two medium ones, so that's oh, no. the same thing.
0: I'm not a coffee person. I, I know. know I you saw you getting it. tea. There. Yeah, I, I actually i have tried. I mean, I just had a bad experience in college. No, it's not. I'm making it sound worse than it was. It was just like it wasn't like traumatic or anything. It was just I pulled a lot of all-nighters at the college paper and... Um, when I was studying for an exam the next day, or cramming anyway, and I um, there would always be a pot on, um, and I kept making pot after pot. And then after pulling an all-nighter on that, I just had this really stale, nasty... And of course, it wasn't good coffee, but the stale, nasty aftertaste in my mouth that lasted all day, and just this, this hole in my stomach that I couldn't deal with.
1: And you were having like a nervous breakdown because of lack of sleep and over caffeination exactly and um
0: and i tried recently because i feel like my wife betrayed me because we, (laughs) we when when we first got together um we were both into tea i mean we actually i think probably one of the first things we bonded about was chai and um and then maybe two years ago, suddenly she started drinking coffee again, and I...
1: I it's really impressive that your marriage could withstand that. That's great. Well, <laughs> no, it's actually pretty good
0: because I've been able to, you know, now I have a whole new genre of presents to buy her for Christmas and stuff, like you can, French presses and whatnot. You can, I
1: was going to say, you can endlessly buy coffee gadgets. And, and coffee. And coffee, like You know, and like, coffee, you know right. I was in
0: Jamaica, and I brought back Jamaican coffee for her. I'm like, stuff, cool, yeah. so yeah, it's been cool, but I still... So then I'm like, let me try some coffee, and I, every once in a while, I'll drink. An espresso from an Italian restaurant, whatever, Um, and that's fine because it's just a little bit. But I, I realized I just can't even do like a full cup of coffee, so I'm back to tea. Unfortunately,
1: my editor doesn't drink coffee, and I'm, I'm just in awe. Like you are a stronger, objectively stronger person than I am because the first thing I did when I got out of bed this morning was like, what's the nearest place I can acquire coffee? Luckily, it was in the lobby.
0: Why haven't you done sort of like a back and forth about? Liking coffee and not liking coffee, I think it would be good having both both perspectives there. Just sort of yeah, like that would a, be cool. Like a, yeah. like a little play.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I I just want to know his secrets. Like, how do you just get going in the morning? I yeah, it's a mystery to me. But. Tea? Does
0: he drink tea? He drinks tea. Tea's got caffeine in it, you know. Yeah,
1: yeah. I need I need way more of that. Direct- <laughs> you can drink the same thing. Is it's the thing about tea is you can drink
0: yeah. a lot more. Of it and not feel sick, right? So maybe you might need two, two cups of tea for every one cup of coffee or three. I don't know what the the ratio is, sure. but it's something like that. And you know, I'm fine just drinking tea. Like I'll drink iced tea all day, and like
1: it's it's more refreshing of... too. It's not like coffee. I feel is always dehydrating me, which I think science has disproven. Like you actually do hydrate with coffee, but um, it always just makes you feel like. Parched.
0: Well, it's funny, and I'll we'll get off the coffee in a minute. I, was, I wasn't really <laughs> My second it.
1: favorite beverage though.
0: Well, it's alright. We can talk about it if you want. It's just I like to keep things boozier so if you want yeah. to talk Irish can... coffee, but it's just... oh,
1: My gosh, my grandma is the queen of dessert coffees. That's
0: oh, yeah. her jam. Like, what she put in it?
1: Like Kahlua oh. and Baileys and brandy. Delo's like she's... seems kind
0: of redundant though with coffee, isn't
1: it? Yeah, I don't know. She Whatever you got. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know what I've actually found um, and also let me I'm gonna relay this little story about coffee first and then I'll get on to one of my recent kind of discoveries as an epitert, not aperitif, digestif. digestive mm. um, is um, okay, so I'm telling you a story about coffee. My, my first like f- like major full-time newspaper job out of college, um, you know, I guess every Fridays we'd order pizza or something. and like the editor-in-chief, and a couple of the other people on the city desk, um, I always find it really bizarre because they would always always order coffee with their pizza. And I'm like, why not just pour battery acid? <laughs> <you wrote?"
1: laughs> it's like- yeah, I, I love both pizza and coffee, but I do not they think I've ever it, really yeah. eaten them in tandem.
0: There are no coffee and pizza pairing books as far as I know, and there shouldn't be because no. that just, that's a crime against...
1: There's just a lot happening in that situation together no i'm i'm not here for that
0: <laughs> anyway one of my recent like things i've fallen in love with and it's not even recent it's the like the oldest spirit in america it's i've I've learned that i really like enjoying laird's applejack just neat oh, after a meal and cool that kind of nice appliness yeah
1: something. i haven't had that just neat in a very very long time huh I had right. I had challenge uh, accepted.
0: <laughs> I actually had I had Lisa Laird done on the podcast a couple episodes ago, mm-hmm. and um, she's Jersey. You know, we're Jersey.
1: Into the Mafia. It's yeah, the, um, but she's the, the ninth generation
0: of that family. Oh wow, doing it, and and um, uh, and you know they they have like a, a bottle and bond that they're putting out now. They put it out every few years once it's out. But I mean, they've been they were the Laird family's been distilling since the late. 17th century, before the U.S. was even a country. Wow. And, like, as an actual business, like, professionally, they've been doing it since, I think, 1781. So, like, they were doing it. That's incredible. The family was doing it for, like, 100 years, probably before, I guess, they were officially incorporated. I mean, like, George Washington was ordering this stuff. Do
1: they own orchards?
0: Uh, They do down in... Actually, they do all of... They're New Jersey now. They used to distill in New Jersey, but now they're just aging in New Jersey. Their orchards, and they have a, their actual distillery is in the Shenandoah Valley in Virginia. Oh, beautiful! Um, so, you know, once they distill it, they, they ship a lot of it up to New Jersey Neat. and they age it because. Um, and they're really, and it makes more sense logistically because there really aren't any orchards left in New Jersey. Yeah, so. I was gonna
1: say, where would where would they put those? Which malls would they fit them in between?
0: <laughs> yeah, but they're having they're having a nice little renaissance moment too because you know the the craft cocktail people have been really embracing it and whatnot. Yeah, I mean personally, like everything else, and I I'm just realizing I I prefer drinking anything neat to having it in a cocktail and so even even like stuff you wouldn't even think to drink neat. I'm just like. I mean, the only time I ever really drink vodka is when I'm in like a vodka country like Poland and Mm -hmm. I'm just doing shots of it with like a pickle.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And rye bread. Yeah. Um, How do you, I mean, I think a lot of people can enjoy spirits in cocktails that they wouldn't enjoy neat because there's so many other flavors going on and it's kind of masking, masking the flavor of the actual alcohol. But how do you suggest that they come to appreciate it neat i mean is there a way to like wean yourself off the cocktail and towards the neat spirit
0: well it's sort of a vicious circle and, and, I'm, <laughs> and I'm supposed to be interviewing you anyway but we'll sorry
1: two but journalists get together it's and, fine. Uh, it's a, this is what's gonna it's happen it's not really
0: uh, like i said it's not really an interview it's a conversation so conversation's a give and take but um my it's weird uh, like i say it's a vicious circle because it's like a, or a chicken or the egg kind of deal because um for a lot of brands now. I mean, obviously, if you look in traditional drinking cultures anywhere in the world, whatever their local spirit is, um, you know, and here back in the day, everything was consumed neat or, you know, not even so much on the rocks because there wasn't really any ice. So it was like... Um,
1: Artisanal ice had not happened yeah, no, yet. No.
0: <laughs> I mean, it was it was a sign of great wealth when you actually had ice. But now the way in for a lot of these these spirits, especially these very obscure spirits from other countries that people aren't even that familiar with is through the cocktail movement. So, you know, you go to tales of the cocktail, everybody is trying to wine and dine all the bartenders because this is like, this is how they get, this is how they build their volume. But I've, I've kind of gotten cocktail fatigue. I like trying cocktails and stuff, but I always end up defaulting to like an old fashioned, you know? And it's like, and, and really that, that proves to me how good, uh, a bar or a bartender is, and how good their, their old fashioned is. If you can't get the old fashioned right, why do you want the, to trust me with anything? The
1: pale else? ale of cocktails. <laughs> well, you if could, you can't th- brew that, well, like that, I don't yeah. need to try your chili mocha d- coconut stout. You know, yeah, your pale yeah. ale sucks. <laughs> well, that's, yeah,
0: so it's. Um, anyway. I'm here with Kate Bernat, by the way. <laughs> uh,
1: Talking booze. <laughs>
0: Talking booze. Uh, you may know her in the beer world. Uh, you Actually, you started at Red Eye, right, in Chicago? or Did you yeah. have a job before that? Uh,
1: I was writing for a now-defunct uh, food website called The Feast, which was an NBC thing. But, uh, yeah, then Red Eye, then Draft, now and The And that's,
0: that's how I know you from Draft, and, yep. now, and now The Takeout. Tell Ooh. us about The Takeout. That's, that's... The
1: Takeout is great. Um, it is a off food site from the av club which hopefully all the pop culture nerds out there are big fans of of Uh, so it began the takeout began as a vertical on av club called supper club and then uh spun off into its own it grew up and you know flew out of the nest yeah (laughs) (laughs) whatever metaphor avian or cycling you want to use uh yeah, now it's a standalone site. Um, I write about food and I do most of our beer writing, obviously. And
0: you have a, you have a like, what is it, Ask Kate about beer or something? Yeah, or...
1: I have a, a recurring column, Ask Kate about beer, where people send me beer questions and I pretend to know how to answer them. Now, uh, it's really fun though, because I love hearing what other people don't know about. Because mm. um, sometimes it's something I'm also stumped on, or sometimes it's something that I can kind of like crack my knuckles and be like, I got this. Uh, So it's just really interesting to hear what people want to know about beer.
0: So you've been there a year now, right?
1: Yeah, a year in October. It's crazy. It feels like it's still so new because we just try all kinds of weird different things and see what works. And there's a really creative spirit there that's good. Uh, But yeah, it's been a year. We're like a real website now <laughs> thanks everyone who reads it and made us exist for a year. So,
0: and your experience is, is a lot more well-rounded than a lot of other beer writers. Cause you came at beer, if you were writing about cocktails before that mm-hmm. and things like that. So.
1: Yeah, I was, when I was at red eye, I was the nightlife reporter, which definitely makes it sound <laughs> like I was out clubbing all the time, which was not the case. Uh, I only did a few nightclub stories and they were the bane of my existence. But uh, I was writing a lot about cocktails, but obviously this was Chicago in 2011 to 14-ish. I mean, beer was just exploding and all these new breweries were popping up. And there, Josh Knoll at the Tribune was covering Chicago beer, but no one at Red Eye was really doing it. And I was like, oh, this falls under my <laughs> purview. Uh, I am going to learn everything I can about beer and just kind of bugged people to learn and dropped in at breweries and just kind of got my hands dirty that way and then obviously got all the legit beer training later at draft and got certifications and things but uh yeah just really came at it more from like the food and cocktail and restaurant angle
0: and you've had some of the more shared articles in the beer world (laughs) i don't know well i I mean i remember the one in particular that um what was it wire beer people so mean or why are they such assholes?
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> why are beer people so outraged, maybe? And it was kind of me wanting to put on a sociology hat and be like, what is it about certain subcultures like beer or... I don't know. Maybe this happens in, like, gaming. I don't know. I'm not really I mean, a it, part of those communities. But, you know, that that people just take...
0: They had Gamergate. That was a right? thing. Right? Uh, yeah, right.
1: <laughs> uh, luckily, that kind of level of... Crap has never happened to me. Um, but yeah, I mean, what is it about this thing that should be a leisure activity and should just be an enjoyable consumer product? No one gets outraged about dishwashers or cell phone. <laughs> I mean, I guess maybe cell phone. I don't know, but there's like something about beer well, that's different.
0: Apple has has conditioned us to get outraged about yeah, cell phones right.
1: But what is it about, about beer and beer people that just makes them... So divisive sometimes. Um, so yeah, that was a really, a really interesting um, reporting
0: uh,
1: assignment. I talked to a lot of um, angry people.
0: <laughs> well, the thing is, is I don't, I don't think it's unique to beer because I, I've been part of a lot of subcultures. In fact, um, another plug for me.
1: <laughs> Take it away, Jeff. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I'm just my my next book actually is the intersect between you know nerd geek culture and drinking culture so very cool so i i was more before i got into the booze culture i was actually part of that world and i've been trying to figure out for years how i'm gonna be able to combine them so i'm finally doing that so i mean I, i know in that there there really is there's toxicity in all of it and especially if you look at um, and, and, again, I don't want to go off on a tangent about, like, some of the really, really dark stuff mm-hmm. as opposed to, like, you're, oh, you're just an idiot because you like that beer. It's like... But, I mean, you know, you'll just look at the stuff that, that's been going on with Star Wars and, yeah. you know, uh, Kelly Marie Tran and um, um, yeah. Daisy Ridley have gone off of social media because of all the harassment they've been yeah. from asshole fans who are basically ruining this <laughs> wonderful thing that's been part of my life for 40 years. and
1: Yeah. And, luckily... I- beer has never been that that vile or toxic for me i mean yeah it's more just your garden variety like i'm so angry you know i'm so angry about this one thing but it still can be i think really just a sometimes it just gets so far down its own little drain you know (laughs) spinning down this drain but i really what is refreshing about um kind of stepping back and writing for a more mainstream audience Mm. is to realize that that vocal minority in beer is a vocal minority. And most of my readers at the takeout, especially just like beer, like cracking a cold brewski. (laughs) And that is the type of experience and the type of people that I like to talk to most, right? Is people who are just curious and want to know what's tasty and don't want to read 5,000 word think pieces about it mm-hmm. and um so that's been refreshing
0: <laughs> yeah no I mean it's um I think we sometimes forget that we live in a bubble in this totally this, you know beer and other boozes it's like um and I think that a lot of the publications out there especially booze the ones that are still around anyway I mean a lot of them tend to be by beer geeks for beer geeks a out beer geeks whatever and i don't know if that's um and i think that that you know that was one of the tragic things about draft was i mean that's what you were more the more inclusive publication Mm -hmm. for the the person who wanted to you know you had dabblers and just like i've been hearing about this beer thing kind of a lifestyle thing
1: and yeah i i think there are a lot more of those people out there but i think all those people want to feel like beer geeks, right? It's like, I want to feel knowledgeable about this, about this area. But
0: there's a threshold for that though. Yeah. But
1: they're not, you know, going home every night and reading beer books front to back and, you know, writing down tasting notes and all that. So, you know, how do you keep them interested and tell them interesting stories That are educational and expand their horizons, but aren't so navel-gazing that Mm. you lose normal people.
0: (laughs) Yeah, my my eyes started to glaze over when you mentioned like the word five thousand word thing. (laughs) I'm (laughs) like, oh my god, it's such a thing. (laughs) I wouldn't want to.
1: Beer, Mm, what is it anyway? What does it all mean? You know, I there's totally a place for those. I love reading that, but I realize that that's not. For everyone, and that's not everyone's level of engagement with beer. I mean, how many people do we see at GABF that are just enthusiasts that are here to have a cool kind of drunken weekend? Like, yeah, that's the majority of with people. The pretzel necklaces with the pretzel <laughs> necklaces with their really funny IPA pun T-shirt. Yeah. I mean, that's who ninety percent of beer drinkers are, maybe. And
0: yeah, it's definitely the majority. I mean, yeah. we we tend to think, and and you know, I think it's gets that way in politics too with like certain sure. political bases mm-hmm. i mean i just did air quotes nobody can see it, <laughs> <laughs> um you know political bases is like everybody thinks because they are so vocal it's just like they really are like nobody is that plugged in to things that are going on and i, th- I feel like that that's the same way and, and i i got sort of fatigue from it, which is probably why I don't write about beer as much because yeah. I mean, number one, i i I just kind of felt like the beer world doesn't need me a <laughs> so right you got enough of them and...
1: the sake world, on the other hand. Well, yeah,
0: but again yeah. it's it's if I were to focus you know only on sake, I would starve to death so <laughs> it's
1: like... you would exist subsist solely on sake, yeah, pretty um, much
0: so I mean, I, I don't know. I just think that um
1: well the the middle of the road people are not the ones who comment on articles, who tweet about the oh, yeah, air, who, you know, they're not like, I found this piece well-reasoned and accurate. <laughs> I like, never I, I, that never <laughs> happens. Um, it's only like skull and crossbone emoji. You're stupid, you know? Uh, so you forget that those middle of the road people are out there. They're just, they read your article, they enjoyed it. And then they clicked their browser closed (laughs) that was the end of that
0: i didn't i don't see too many of those assholes commenting on the takeout. no
1: the takeout um because we're on the kinja platform which if you read like gizmodo or deadspin same thing um but uh it's very self-policing like the commenters really do take care of each other in a way and they have their uh they have their um you know sort of internal uh code of ethics, I guess. I don't know. They they really do a good job of, of keeping the riffraff generally to a minimum. So thanks, takeout commenters.
0: Yeah. I mean, I got one comment on my one of my stories that, I mean, this is what the guy literally said. This is stupid. You're stupid. And I was like, I couldn't tell whether he was kidding. You're
1: like, wow, that is a compelling <laughs> argument. Wow. But it wow. was
0: one out of, I mean, I mean yeah. I've gotten more comments on stuff I've done for you than any other publication, including when I was the editor in chief of Beverage World. I mean, never, honestly. <laughs>
1: well, it's a very active commentary. And honestly, some of the comments that I get on not necessarily beer pieces, but when I write about um, something personal, I, I wrote about a deli that I worked at in college that was really formative in a lot of ways for me. And some well, that of was the a comments. Really story, I, I mean, they, they thanks. Uh, some of the comments were so thoughtful and kind and. People writing multiple paragraphs about their college restaurant jobs, and I mean that's the kind of thing that is you think doesn't even exist on the internet anymore. No. It almost restores your faith in the whole thing. Um, so yeah, we've got there are a bunch of good eggs the takeout commenters. They're good, good folks, <laughs> and I and I'm thankful for that every day because I know uh, I know it's not easy to write things and put them on the internet. I mean, even though. You and I have both been doing this for years. It's still scary. Still every putting single yourself time. out there Yeah, a,
0: yeah. I'm, I'm terrified. Everything I write is that there's going to be some, um, just completely know-it-all asshole who's going to pick everything apart that sure. I write. You know, and, um, and it happens once in a while. But it's you know the tequila people are particularly mm. strident mm. in there.
1: Well, I will not wade into those waters. Then. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll just enjoy it not right about it (laughs) (laughs)
0: um but yeah it's 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 definitely it's it's a fun it's a fun thing you got going there so it's kind of cool and and actually people i people you know i i kind of pay attention to the comments in mine people like the stuff things that i've done with recipes people have actually used my recipes and i'm like wow
1: yeah isn't that the coolest thing someone tweeted me a photo of my mom's chicken paprikash <laughs> recipe that I put up, and they were like, "I made your mom's chicken paprikash." And then I send it to my mom because she's not on Twitter, so I'm like, "Mom, someone made your." She's like, "Oh, that looks great." I'm like, "Oh, look at this! <laughs> like real, real life." You know, I just made someone's hopefully dinner a little tastier because that chicken paprikash recipe is banging. So <laughs> I have to make that. I will make though. I was waiting for it's really like, good colder well, weather. I was so. gonna say, yeah, fall, winter for sure
0: okay you live in missoula montana now yeah but you've lived a lot of places you've been in chicago you've been in phoenix and you grew up in new jersey yep. um as did i Woo. jersey uh, beer illuminati <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that in four quarters i'll get you a dollar
1: <laughs> what did i get the, what did we get these matching tattoos for then <laughs>
0: Um. So, yeah, let's talk, you know, you've been in Missoula, what, two years now? Two years, yeah. So tell me about that scene. Like, what's going on there? It's pretty exciting. I, I, yeah. I recently did a little thing about, like, your um, distilling scene that's kind of popping up and not just Missoula, you know, outside of other parts of Montana too. But so, so tell me, I mean, I mean, you seem pretty outdoorsy too. So you're kind of,
1: well, that's the thing, that's the thing to do. And it's just so beautiful there. I mean, if you're not going out and hiking and rafting, it's like, what, what are you doing? Mm. (laughs) Um, but the, it's a, it's a great beer drinking city. I mean, it's a city of about 70,000 people. Um, the greater Missoula area uh, is like a hundred thousand university of montana is there so it's a college town um and i think our 10th brewery is opening this summer and we have one cider maker so and one winery and a couple distilleries i mean it's a good it's a good drinking town (laughs) the guy
0: who fueled his car with vodka
1: it yes montgomery distillery uh yeah it's a good it's a good drinking town it's also very um really creative in general. I mean, there's good theater, there's good art, there's Mm. just, uh, it's kind of hippie, dippy, but... um,
0: Is the sky big?
1: The sky is really big. It's true. The first time I ever visited Montana, I didn't really understand what that big sky thing was. (laughs) But it really is, if you're staring ahead through the windshield of your car, it's almost like you don't have enough peripheral vision to take in the sky and the mountains and it's a pretty amazing place. So, um, yeah, I mean, it really is that kind of cliche, like mountain lifestyle that all these beer brands like try to sell you on. But I mean, Missoula just lives it.
0: <laughs> was that something that you were always into or did that happen in Phoenix? Maybe? It happened
1: in Phoenix. Cause I, I mean, I grew up, um, fishing with my dad. Um, I was a girl scout, although I didn't learn shit except how to sell cookies. Uh, I can't tie any knots, (laughs) but, uh, when I moved, yeah. And then like Chicago, there wasn't, I I rode my bike a lot in Chicago, but there wasn't really hiking or, I mean, I guess you could find it somewhere, but, um, it wasn't really until I moved to Phoenix and I was like, this landscape is incredible and there are places you can only get to by camping or rafting or Mm -hmm. hiking and it's worth it to go see those places. So, um, that's kind of when i discovered the the joy of the outdoors fresh air um and yeah i mean in missoula that's just everyone does it it's like it looks like a rei catalog <laughs> All well, your, the time. your
0: instagram game is on point because well, you, you're probably the one person who updates their stories probably hourly
1: yeah well it's easy when you live somewhere beautiful people are like your photos are great i'm like I mean, I'm shooting them on like an iPhone I'm just you know I happen to live in a place that's really beautiful, and I can just kind of put my phone up and go pink and and I have a cute dog, you know it's all <laughs> it's all there on the instagram, cute dog mountains, uh beers that I'm drinking, yeah. Life is good. <laughs> Life is good in the mountains.
0: Favorite places to drink in Missoula that you recommend?
1: Yeah. Um the place I spend the most time is at Kettle House's uh Southside Tap Room. So they have um two tap rooms in Missoula and a beautiful new amphitheater where they've had some really great shows this summer. Um, just kinda outside of town. Uh but the Southside Tap Room is really close to my house. It's just the most like cheers bar for me like you walk in everyone's like hey mm. you again you know the bartenders are friendly the beer is great um so I spent a lot of time there um beer bar wise we have a place called dram shop and a place called the rhino which are our two great like beer bars if you want to just kind of get the best of montana all in all in one place um yeah and then I got to give a shout out to bayern brewing which is uh, our german lager brewery mm. that's the oldest brewery in the Rockies, maybe oh, really? they were founded 1988. Oh something. wow! Yeah, and uh, the brewmaster Jürgen Noller, is legit from Bavaria. <laughs> they serve great Bavarian food, great lagers. They have an awesome Pilsner, a great Hellas, great Schwarzbier, uh, and yeah, I just love their food. I love that's my, those are my those are my beers, like German lagers. So uh, yeah. Like them too. And you mentioned cider too. Yeah, Western Cider is beautiful. They're relatively new. Um, they have an orchard in the Bitterroot Valley um, where they grow some of their like estate stuff. Um, and then they have a really beautiful taproom space. And they throw all these cool events. They have like music and square dancing and brunch and food trucks. And it's a it's a really beautiful space. They did a lot of work to rehab this old, um, kind of warehousey thing, but it's really really fun. Their ciders are great and, you know, especially with the estate stuff, it's grown twenty miles away, so they're great too. Selfie. We are we're not we are not lacking for <laughs> And the spirit
0: scene's pretty good too. You got cocktail bars and one that are
1: good? Uh yeah, cocktail bars we've got a lot of good distilleries. Yeah. I mean, not to like there are some restaurants that make really good cocktails. There's not like a super dedicated cocktail bar are they
0: are they allowed to make cocktails at the distillery is that allowed in Mm -hmm. okay um
1: i believe they can only serve you three cocktails
0: oh that's Um, reasonable which yeah
1: i'm like anymore and i'm just sleeping there so i don't
0: (laughs) ever order any more than right (laughs) um
1: so yeah like um we mentioned montgomery distillery um they do some really fun cocktails and they have a really pretty um a really pretty space right downtown so they're a great place to check out
0: and uh, quick shout out, saying places in Chicago.
1: Oh man, I'm like so. I am like old school when I because I haven't lived there in four years now. So I'm you know I'm like dead to them. Everything is different. <laughs> um, when I was back in Chicago last um, last month, I kind of hit my old haunts. Like I went back to Hop Delilah's. Leaf, Delilah's. I went, yeah. I mean, Hop Leaf was like the bar that taught me to love. Beer, um so had to go pay the pilgrimage and i had a goose and some mussels, and i was like this is this is right (laughs) um and then i used to live in the ukrainian village neighborhood in chicago and there's a bar there called Tuman's tap and grill just like not i mean i wouldn't put it up there as like best beer bar in the city but they have like a really under the radar great tap list and it's uh just a really like old school Chicago bar with like the huge mirrored wood back bar. It's been there forever. Um, it's a great like neighborhood bar. Nice. So I went back there cause I used to hit that place up all the time. So those are my stops when I was back.
0: And Phoenix.
1: Phoenix, man. Um, there's a new Hus tap room um, in central Phoenix that I visited when I was back there it wasn't open when I lived there um but that's a really cool space Huss has a coffee Kolsch that I like a lot it's kind of yeah it's like coffee in a really light beer it's just really like delicate coffee flavor and really bright Um, yeah I do
0: like coffee beers even though I don't drink coffee I do like coffee
1: (laughs) beers We may we may convert you yet, Jeff. <laughs> um, and then you will appreciate this. There is a tiki bar in Phoenix.
0: Yeah, but isn't that the place that that has a time limit? Where you got to go yeah. in like 85 minutes and then they goofy. kick you out. Well,
1: it's because it's the size of a closet. Oh, it's in a basement, and there's like kind of the bottom of a ship makes like the ceiling. It's a little rainforest cafe mm. vibe, yeah. <laughs> but. Um, It's fun. I mean, yeah, the time limit thing is kind of annoying. You're like, cool, I'll just pound all these 17 kinds of rum drinks. (laughs) Cool. Um, But also kind of near that tiki bar is a restaurant and bar called Crudo. Mm -hmm. um, And they have some of the coolest cocktails, I think, in the city. Uh, I used to go there for my like fancy cocktail fix. So
0: Um, any places that you've been internationally that are your favorite towns to drink in
1: Ooh I am not as well traveled by any means uh, as, as you Well I went to Mexico City in February for my birthday oh. Mexico City and Guadalajara and I could not get over how good the food and drink in both Mexico City and Guadalajara were I mean in Mexico City everything I ate from Street tacos to I ate at Puyol on my birthday, you know, did the Michelin thing. And um, every single meal I had was like exceeded my expectations. I haven't been to a city where I've had that consistently great of an experience everywhere that I went. So, uh, yeah, Mexico City, everyone should go. If you love mezcal and tequila, that's what's up. (laughs) And the mezcal thing is like really cool down there like the little mezcal bars that are just oh, tucked yeah. away and like where they have like weird small producers you've never heard of and you can't read the menu because i don't speak spanish and <laughs> you're just at the mercy of the bartenders but it's like that's what to me travel is about is like i don't exactly know what i'm doing but i trust you and yeah yeah you know and i'm we're we're gonna have this cool experience together so Um, yeah can't say enough good stuff about Mexico City
0: awesome well let's wrap things up Um, promote whatever you want to promote (laughs) were you on social media Uh, yeah
1: you can find me at kbernott on Twitter and on Instagram um, and read my beer rating at the takeout.com
0: all right and as always you can find me at Jeff Saladan Twitter and drinkable globe on Instagram and remember the world is out there drink it up Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming. This has been great.
1: This was so fun. Podcasts. I love them. (laughs) It's
0: it's the future.
1: It is the future. My voice beaming through the radio. The Drinkable.